It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Oh, Miss Rusty. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Public Access Podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcast Network, QTEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEE
that all fits and works. Um, I mean, especially in the world that I'm in with, you know, metaphysical and intuitive and whatnot, where sometimes you're explaining things and you're saying, nope, I just know. That's it. <laughs> right. And it, yeah, it's hard because trying to put that into a salesperson's mind that I just know and there's not not laid out facts. Not having laid out facts is a difficult concept for there there's a disconnect between between us and salespeople. So hopefully there's a way to bridge the great the gap, but I'm not sure quite what that is yet to be able to find a way to bridge a gap. I can I can sell stuff myself, but as far as trying to get other someone to sell for me, I've been having a bit of a harder time with that. Is that something you're coming across at all, or is that something else? No, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I think that you know, for me, I'm not a sale. I'm the worst salesperson on planet Earth. I think um, I'm really good in my. I was telling to someone this the other day. I'm my jam, um, you know, is getting people into the space where they take ownership of whatever's going on in their life. So as far as like, if someone comes to me and says, I'm frustrated, I'm this, I'm that. And I work to shift the language for them. I work to get them to a space of saying things like, instead of saying, I'm angry, no, you're experiencing anger because I am are powerful words, right? If you say I am, I am strong versus I am weak versus I am sick versus I am well. And trying to work with someone to shift that language. And I even saying trying to, I work with people to shift their language so that when they realize they're in a headspace moment, if you can shift someone from I'm angry to I'm experiencing anger, I can take a deep breath and let it go. They can have a new moment. They can be in a new space. They can see things from the standard of what do you control? And I always use driving as an example, right? Because when we're driving, I control myself and my actions and my vehicle. That's it. So if I'm in a space where, you know, everybody's treating the highway like it's a NASCAR track, you know, I get into a space and I know like there's near my house, there's a space, there's a, a highway where people do that. And I also know that typically it's crawling with cops. And so I have a tendency, I have my speed limit limits and I have a tendency to get in the right-hand lane. And why I share that is because like five, 10 years ago, it would have like all of my emotions would have come up. I would have been and all crunchy and all the things. And now I, okay, you've got good music. You oh. control your car, you control yourself. Everybody else and everything else, no matter what you think about them, et cetera, you don't control them. So shifting myself in the right-hand lane, do what I got to do, be aware of my next step, et cetera. And so it makes it easier for me. And I share these things with clients as well as getting into a space of what do we control? Because so often people come to me and they'll say, if my, because we all externalize, if my president was different, if my, this was different, if my, that was different, if this, if it was, you know, fall versus summer, but you don't control any of that. Not at all. So if you could be in the space of what do I control? And, you know, like you having the space of someone that's saying, I want this to be a sales funnel for a webinar. Well, it's not. And, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the gap 
And, you know, one of the things when I started learning style typing as an example and realized that I'm a promoting controller and realizing that I'm only 25% of the population. So as far as what? So as far as like, as far as being a controller, I'm only 25% of the population. So as an example, I have people in my family who are one of my favorite people in my family is a supporter. And I've learned with him to step into a space of, if you had the perfect day, what would it look like? And then we work backwards. Like the night before I'll say, okay, if we're, you want to get to the beach at this time and do this thing, what time do we need to leave in the morning? Okay. So then what time do like, if I want to get my run in before we go to the beach, what time do I got to be up? And you work backwards, but he hears me as opposed to me dictating or the other people in the situation dictating, this is what I want to do. So he doesn't feel railroaded to say, okay, if you, well, my perfect day would be, I get to swim for three hours and on the, you know, we get to have lunch at this place and we stop at this place and we do that. Okay, perfect. So we need seven hours of the beach. Okay, cool. Now we can plan backwards. Right. Now, and you hear people to say, so you're bridging the gap, like you were talking about earlier. And Which, yeah, it's important. There's a huge disconnect otherwise. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times, you know, when I see like, as you know, as someone who is a guest on podcasts, you know, often is, you know, I see a lot of like, I see a lot of postings in the Facebook group about, you know, people wanting a guest and, you know, to be in the space of when people are very concrete with what they need, it's easy to say, love your podcast. I am not a fit. Right fantastic idea i know i'm not a fit for that that is not my wheelhouse and i think it helps a lot of times when like some podcasts i'll go on it it helps the guest to have a very clear idea of what is worth your time and what's not and to be in a space of this podcast focuses specifically on this particular thing and like you know your audience you know your right. audience wants, and that's actually more important than knowing who your guest is. Because if yeah. you know your audience wants a specific thing, um, like there was one podcast I was on a few months ago and they were, it was all paranormal, all of it. And they wanted it to be, the audience was very much like ripping stories and edge of your seat. And I, you know, I had one of those stories, but it wasn't like a thing I could draw out for three hours at all. Yeah. And so it wasn't wasn't the right fit so here's the thing i said i did do it but i said to the you know to the i said to the uh host in advance here's the deal you know i've told the story before not on a podcast but just to people that were around me um and it probably the whole thing is about a 20 minute story total yeah you tell me whether i could fit that or not and they did they were like yes we can accommodate that we just won't it just won't be a longer format it'll be like 30 45 minutes cool great so it works um you know and i think that that even happens a lot of times in life for us is you know realizing that we have seasons of life and some people fit in those seasons and some people don't and it's not there's not it's not personal and that's a really hard thing for most of us because our world has gotten so like personalized and 
you know, whether it's Facebook or Amazon or just life in general, where everything is trying to get like, let's give you only ads that curate to you or only this that curate exactly to you. And it's like, as opposed to, but maybe show me new things every once in a while. Like maybe let me choose for myself what I like. And yeah, being able, and you were saying earlier about taking ownership for what you're, you're saying to go back to that too, as well, where, I mean, when you're saying the I am or whatever, your brain and your subconscious doesn't know the difference between just like, oh, I'm, I'm angry right now. It's like, okay, well, I guess I am angry. Uh, now, yeah, I'm feeling anger is there's, and there's a big difference between, I mean, yeah, your brain hears everything, but you know, some of it gets processed some of it gets stored away in the long term, uh, unconscious, subconscious, all that. Yes. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, with personalized ads or it's hard to be able to move away from that because I don't think a lot of people are able to not have whatever the computer the you know wants you to know. And that that's, you know, just relying so much on that and not being able to find stuff outside of whatever their, their, their preset stations, their, yeah, whatever, their other, other ads, new ads. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just not really quite there yet. Well, you know, and I I think too. You know, I think too, it's interesting because like the last couple of years with, you know, everything that was going on in the world and I was in a space for 20 some odd years where I was living with a full-blown autoimmune, actually two autoimmune issues. And so when, you know, 2020 happened and 2021 happened and whatnot, and, you know, we were being fed very specific information and I am a consummate research. I'm like unbelievable, like researcher rabbit holes, like connecting things, you know, connecting dots, et cetera. Right. And that actually started out of, you know, years ago being in a space of going to, you know, Western medical doctors and not having any idea like what was wrong with me, but knowing what wasn't like taking all these antibiotics and nothing's touching it. Nothing's helping. It's not going away and realizing very quickly And when I say very quickly, I mean the space of like a year or two, Um, not the very quickly now where it's like, if you haven't figured out in 15 minutes, you know, Um, but it was the process of elimination to figure out that, okay, I have this thing called an autoimmune disorder and this is what it does. Like, this is what is going on in your body. And, you know, how can you help yourself? And we didn't have anything 20 some odd years ago. We had nothing in terms of research. And so fast forward to now, where, you know, there was a lot of things going on medically and being in this for, you know, the world and saying to people, I'm not doing this and researching outside the lens. And people would say, well, how did you find this information? And I said, well, I went to the website. I went to the CDC website. I went to the, this website. I did this research. I went and it wasn't that it was like some like huge big deal to do it. It was just saying, this is what's here. This is what's not here and things that didn't make sense intuitively. And one of the things that I want to encourage your audience into, no matter what you are in the world, whether you, you know, who you are, et cetera, if you're in a space where something doesn't, we all have gut feelings, right? We all have intuition, every freaking one of us, we are born with it. 
if right. you're in a space where something feels off to you, I want to encourage you into the space of trusting that. Um, because so many of us have been taught that our intuition is crap. So many of us have been taught that if you don't believe that, you know, um, you know, if you don't believe that this is the best team ever, that that what your government person, someone's favorite government person is telling them or what, there's so many things right now, so many different avenues I could go down about right, wrong, black and white, blah, 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 blah. And I want to encourage you into the space of knowing your gut instinct and, um, you know, really paying attention to that because there's sometimes where it could, it could even save your life. I mean, it, you could even be in a space sometime. Like I was in a situation probably a year and a half ago now, and I was driving home and we had really nasty weather and long story short, my gut instinct was like, go this other way home. And I found out like a week later that if I had gone, like if I had gone a different way, I would have been in the middle of a tornado. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm, yeah. Our, our, well, I think we're taught now a lot more to not worry about gut feelings. And um, when I like to always bring up something that the, has been put into our brains was the, the butterflies in your stomach when you're in love. Mm -hmm. No, it's bad. It is not, not a good thing at all. That, that's, that's your body telling you get away from this. <laughs> get away from this go 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 this is not a good feeling and I don't know I don't know it's weird that we were taught that oh it's such a, a great thing and you should you know if you're feeling those butterflies you know it's good and you should go towards it when in fact you should be being far far away from it your gut's telling you this is danger don't don't be here and I don't know why yeah, why they tell us that, but then yet don't don't trust your gut. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because someone said one day to me, did you know that your body registers fear and excitement the same way? And it's whether you choose to decide that something can be exciting. And, you know, I'm afraid to do this new thing and it's exciting at the same time. And, right. you know, when I was in a space a year ago, plus of house hunting and, you know, I was going to new areas and I had to trust my guy. I mean, I had a, you know, I had an excellent realtor and we were doing it in broad daylight, whatever. And part of me was just like so anxious. And I had to stop myself more than once and say, okay, wait, you're deliberately choosing to move out of your so you're going to give yourself grace, number one, but this feeling of what if we choose to be, this is so exciting. House hunting is so exciting. I get to move to a new area and make new friends and this is, and learn new things. This is so exciting. And I would deliberately start when I was driving to see a house, I would deliberately say that to myself out loud. This is so exciting. I can't wait to see the inside of this house. I've seen the photos, but I'm so excited. This is so exciting. And the more that I would do it, the more I would come out of the fear and anxiety and more I would come into, God, this is so awesome. So I want to share a trick with your audience, with you. Sure. So you don't have to stand up now, but it's something that as you hear it, you know, go back and re-listen to it. So our body has its own pendulum system. 
Our body has its own yes, no system. And I've gotten to the point where I've gotten good enough at it, where I can do it in the car. Like I can feel my yes, no in my body. So there's two different ways you can do it. One of them is standing up and you're in a space where you stand up, feet shoulder width apart, and you ask your body, tell me, show me my yes. I would say 95 plus percent of people are going to lean forward. And then you're going to say, show me no. Again, that same percentage are going to lean backwards. For most people, a maybe will be like, you don't move. So another thing you can do to calibrate it is to ask yourself obvious questions. So you, Rusty, would say things like, am I a man? And your body will lean forward. Today is Tuesday. So you'd be in a space of saying, is it Friday? And your body will lean backwards, right? So right. as you calibrate your body and you get to a space, of, okay, this is my yes, this is my no. You can also pay attention to how you feel internally. So we have a yes and we have a no internally. For most people, your yes is around your solar plexus, which for women is right below your bra line and right where, you're, right where everything gets soft and then goes into your sternum is, your, is where your solar plexus is. Most of us, our solar plexus, which is also is also right above your gut, um, for us is our yes, right? For some people, but you're gonna. I encourage you to play with it, because when you're in a space where you feel like somebody is is you know, um, not telling you the truth, I'll be kosher and say not telling you the truth. Your body has a visceral reaction to that. Your body has a reaction to that, and it's like you said, the butterflies in your stomach earlier. The fit, like this person is so, I feel so amazing around this person. They enhance my joy. So butterflies right. in your stomach is a way of your gut feet is saying like, yes, this person is a yes. Now, you know, one of my friends used to say my opposite of my butterflies in my stomach is feeling like I'm being stabbed. And I said, okay, I'm morbidly curious about that and she said well it feels like literally like she said when my appendix burst that excruciating pain she said but it feels like i can feel it like someone is taking a knife and like into me it's just a sharp blunt pain as opposed to like when i think about something that makes me happy and right. she would feel butterflies i'm like okay and i said so you know your yes and you know very well she said yes so one of the things I want to encourage you into is playing with that, because as we get more into AI and as we get more into craziness and things that are, you know, artificial and where they're keying things to have a, to get a reaction from us to, you know, be divisive and whatnot, follow your gut. Right. And yeah, I mean, the, the divisive part's huge right now. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch it from, I don't know, I, I can kind of see every side of it. Uh, I like to be the outside. It's not not worth it for me to, but then that ends up, you know, dividing me. I mean, however, you know, however it's, it's going to be divisive and trying to stay away from it is becoming divisive and I don't know and something you said earlier too with when you were saying um what were you saying you were saying a part about saying something over a few times yes so if you're, 
if you're in the space of say like when I was house hunting and okay, I would, yeah. and I went out of, you know, going into the space of, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about, you know, finding my perfect house. I'm so excited about being in a new area. And if we can keep pushing that piece that we want, because so often, right, we end up in doubt and it's like, this is never going to happen. Oh my God. And then we can't figure out why things don't materialize for us. Where we're like, that was a terrible interview. And oh my God. And that was a terrible date or that, you know, oh, oh. and we're, we get so into catastrophizing and especially the overthinkers of the world where you think about the 95. And if you have like ADD and ADHD, you have a ten tendency to overthink the crap out of things and you've come up with all nine billion scenarios that could go wrong as opposed to saying i'm going to find the right house i'm you know dating a great guy i'm you know on the right podcast this is a great use of my time i'm so excited for the day and it's not that you're being pollyanna-ish and you're sure recording things you're just being in the space of refocusing on what you control, which is your attitude, your mood, your outlook, your focus, because right. life is going to throw things. I mean, I've had people say to me, well, you know, you've been on this journey for a long time. And so life is cupcakes and, you know, rainbows. And I'm like, no, but I've learned how to recenter. I've learned, I have bad days just like everybody else. I have bad moments just like everybody else, but it's about having those tools to come back into yourself and say, okay, this happened and I get to choose my response. Right. And with that, I'm, there's, uh, you say something six times in, in your head or, you know, out loud. I mean, that's basically hypnotizing yourself to think that. And I mean, that's why I can send someone a letter for them to read and it's just as effective as me sitting there next to them, putting them in a trance of sorts and, you know, working that way. And so, I mean, what you say is a lot more, what you say and what you hear is a lot more important and influential than we lead it on to be. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, our words are, are what we do and our subconscious and unconscious mind doesn't know the difference just takes no, it, it in correct and it's uh i find it interesting a lot of times how people will especially when they're healing from you know deep trauma and being in the space of you know they'll say well how do i change them like just tell a different story and it's not that we don't right. honor the story but you get to, and i encourage like i encourage my clients into writing letters that are not to be sent and i you know part of the reason we do that is because we want to be in the space of getting it all on paper and i tell them i'm like tell the story until there's no until you're bored keep rereading the letters the letter not to be sent until you're in a space of if i have to read another word of this letter i'm going to scream because here's the thing is that allows you to burn out all the emotion and the energy and motion is what keeps it in place so you're keeping the rage in place the anger in place the sadness in place the shame etc by not speaking into it when we speak into it and we shift it we're in the space of, God, this is really boring. And then we're in a space of that story no longer appeals to me. And then you can replace it. You can be in the space of this happened and I learned from it and I healed and I get to move forward in joy. Yep. And I mean, that that's the same thing I do when I work with people who have, you know, PTSD or, you know, trauma type things. And it's getting them in the best situation to, 
work through it because otherwise it's going to come up at some point and it's going to yeah. probably be some time when it's not an ideal ideal place or situation and or could be lashed out at somebody else who is completely undeserving of of that and mm -hmm. just being able to go through it and you know change small things in it make it you know make the person you know sound like mickey mouse or something and uh whatever it may be make it seem like there's circus music going on during this and just get to a point to where it's like okay this is not a big deal and then we can move forward and go through it a little bit more and yeah until eventually it's like i don't want to deal with this this is okay this is fine now and then next time it comes up in some place it's not like oh, okay well that's not really a big deal anymore in my life and why not have that why not why not get there yes and i think you know but i think also a lot of people get stuck in the space of who am i without my trauma who 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. and i think that's a huge thing because who i don't know because that's that's a big thing now it's it's become a uh badge of honor and which is messed up that it's something that is getting treated that way as opposed to treating it uh treating the what what has happened and working through it to just say okay mm -hmm. yeah this is this is who i am i am my trauma sure you're gonna be your trauma and that's gonna be you for the rest of your life when and you know you, you have to expect everybody to tiptoe around it when good luck with that throughout life good good luck with that trying to happen and yeah i'm i've brought this up a number of times with yeah people not being able to think about what their life is like without this trauma who yeah who are they and it's it's sad that way that that becomes something that they really don't want to get rid of yes and then complain about it all the time but don't want to do anything to get rid of it or improve their life with it and I think that's something huge that needs to be addressed. But at the same time, addressing that almost makes you have to be a bad guy saying, oh, how dare you try to help this person? And, uh, you know, this is this is them They're They can't can't do anything about it. But that's is wrong. There's absolutely something you can do about it. And I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of people that just don't want to do it, even if they do know that it can be helped. Don't want to do it because it's sympathy is, is one hell of a serotonin boost as well. Yes. Well, and the thing is, too, is, you know, is and I had someone that had said to me, why wouldn't someone want to heal? And I said. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, yeah, absolutely it is i mean if you look at you know if you look at you know teaching people like why they eat just as a really brief example like people are overweight they're in a space of like you're not overweight because you're overweight you're overweight because you're overeating you're not doing you know certain things the right way but again you get into a space where um there's a reason for it and to get underneath of that 
and to be in a space like you know like I, I had said to somebody on another podcast I said if I taught if we taught if people taught young women and men how to feel and process their emotions correctly so that their anger was no longer able to be weaponized if you taught young, especially young black and brown people that are prone to being ending up in street gangs and you burned out that anger in them, you stop a whole cycle. And the fact of the matter is if you stop a cycle of violence and you go, why is this happening? And everybody's just in the space of like the immediacy and we don't go below the surface. But what if we get below the surface and we go, okay, you get to feel your grief. You get to feel your anger. You get to really be present to your feelings, your emotions, your, hey, your mom abandoned you, your dad abandoned you. This happened. So these people that came in and are like, we're your family, we love you. And then you're like, okay, now how do I stay part of the family by shooting people or doing this or dealing drugs or whatever it is, right? right. Or if you're in another situation where like you trauma bond with your family, and you end up in a situation where like everybody's morbidly obese, everybody's an alcoholic, everybody's an addict, everybody's at home on welfare, everybody. So when people say, well, this, if this person could just heal from that thing, I'm like, no, you're opening Pandora's box. You're asking them to think a whole different thing in a whole different way. Your responsibility is to heal yourself, but why people, because we oftentimes will say, I've had many people come to me and say to me, how come I'm in this group and everybody's cheering on this whole idea that I have, but when I tell my husband or my family or my parents or whatever, they get all upset or they're, you know, like they think it's a stupid idea or I'm a dreamer or I'm dumb and I need to get a real job. And I'll say, because you're playing a role. Right. Because and, you're, yeah. you're, you're playing the doormat. You're, you're being the one that takes on all their emotional crap. You eat for, you eat to, you know, you eat to fit in. And all these, you know, all these other pieces. And so it's never just as easy as that one thing. It's never just as easy as if you would just, blah, blah, blah. Huh. And I end up telling people like, okay, especially for men, because our men are taught that crying is not okay. That feeling their emotions just makes them, you know, girly girls or whatever, as opposed to being in a space of no, real masculinity, real strength is being in a space of you go all the way through the emotion so that you can then lead and support other people, your wife, your girlfriend, your family, your people, wherever, whatever you do in the world, you get to be supportive and leading people. Right. That's where leadership comes from. That's where, and the thing is too, as women, we also can be in our masculinity in that way as well, where it's like, this gets to get done. And a lot of times we get that confused and backwards in our society because people say, I'll, I'll ask me frequently, well, why can't that person just change? And I'm like, well, why can't you? If you know that you are obese, if you know that you are underpaid, if you know that you're in a crappy relationship, if you know that you're in a toxic house in a toxic neighborhood, I don't care, whatever it is, you know you're in a space that is not for your best and highest good. Well, yeah, well, why can't you just? And a lot of times right. I'll turn around on them because then they go, oh. Yeah, why can't I? Because it's not as simple as just look for a new place to live. Just do this, just do that. We oversimplify outside of ourselves because we want to put the problem over there as opposed to saying, well, what if I step into the rain 
and I say, okay, there was X number of people that were shot, you know, killed in gun violence in, you know, Chicago this past weekend. And if we're going to really get in and resolve it, it's not a gun problem. It's uh, we keep chasing the same thing and nobody wants to look at what's really going on, which again, comes back to if everybody had a therapist, if everybody had, you know, a counselor, if everybody had whatever it is, coach, counselor, therapist, someone to help them, to support them in moving through, whether it's, you know, doing, you know, you know, EMDR, whether it's hypnosis, whether it's, you know, tapping, whether it's, you know, working with me in the Akashic Records, whatever, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Someone to support them and to hear them. Are you willing to look at this a different way? Are you willing on a deep level to release it? Are you willing to do the work? Yeah, and because that gets stuck in your uh, RNA. And what I thought it was, was two to three generations but found out maybe a week or two ago that it's somewhere around 25 generations. Of, so, I mean, being able to heal that without passing that on to your kids and your kids and your kid, their kids, their kids, their kids, mm -hmm. their kids, their kids, can alter your whole family tree. And, and you can alter your whole family tree in under a couple hours. Yes. And, and honestly, you know, honestly, too, is, the epigenetic, I, like you said, we were talking about the epigenetics of things. Like when I tell people, I'm like, you know, I go, when I do my healing work, I go 14 generations forward and 14 generations backward. And I ended up telling people, I'm like, because it's not just you. And it doesn't mean that in real life, you go to people and you go, I'm doing healing work for you. Cause you're like looking for your egos, looking for them to clap right. for you and get the people pleasers activated. But it's just the space of you start doing that healing work. And I've watched a lot of many clients actually. I've watched many clients where we've done the work and they don't tell their family anything. Like they don't say, Hey, I have a coach that I'm doing this. They don't say anything. And they've noticed over a space of a year or two where people with their family members that they were like, I wish they would just are suddenly coming into the space of shifting things of, you know, seemingly on their own. And I'm like, because you're altering the genetics, you're altering the epigenetics, which there's a ton of science behind now where it's like coming in the space of we're going to heal that so that your family, your kids are never touched by it. We came, I mean, we came into this world, you know, I believe that every single one of us that's here now, it's like, we chose to be here. We chose to be here at this time in chaotic history because one, we can handle it. And two, eventually we're coming into a space of, yeah, I'm sick of my own crap hmm. and I'm going to shit, choose to shift it. And I think that's one of the most important pieces is you've got to get sick of your own crap enough that you're like, I'm not doing this another day. I can't do this anymore. And having the breakdown to have the breakthrough because so many of us want the breakthrough without the breakdown. We want to have this great message without having, I'm like, you, without a mess, without a mess, you have no message. Without a test, you have no testimony. And so many of us get in the space of, well, can't this just be easy? I'm like, well, what's your definition of easy? Because for me, like a lot of things I've gone through, once I got the hang of it, went, oh, okay, I'm going to cry for 20 minutes and then this is going to be out. Cool. And I just go with it as opposed to like, oh God, if I cry, I'm never going to stop. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's that, uh, 
what's it called? Uh, we said it earlier, uh, catastrophizing. Correct. And being in the space. And the thing is, too, is a lot of our families taught us that, you know, a lot of us grew up with, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. So yep. a lot of us have this fear-based, like physically, we don't feel safe to feel emotions. And then people go, oh, they, he has an anger management problem. I'm like, no, no, no. He doesn't have an anger management problem. He has a failure to feel his emotions problem. And that's, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he like, it's just exclusive to men because goodness knows, you know, yeah. people, women included have a failure to feel problem. If you have narcissistic parents, the chances that you have a failure to feel problem are incredibly high. Yep. Um, you know, Very all those true. pieces, you know, where you get in the space of like, I can't feel my emotions because people will leave. If you have an abandonment issue and you're afraid because there's a story and again, we could go on and on for hours, but the reality of it is there's just so many stories that people have. And when they get in the space of, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm me and I get to experience my emotions as to be, as opposed to, as we said earlier, becoming them. Like you're not, you're not embodying anger. You're just feeling anger. So be in the space of I'm experiencing anger because I don't have any control over how other people drive. Woosah, deep breath. Okay, I'm going to turn on the radio. I'm going to stay in the right-hand lane. I'm going to do my own thing and get there when I get there. If people want to go around me, they can do that. Right. And nothing wrong with that. No. And it's, yeah. And it's all on you. And yes. That's another thing. I think that's hard, hard for anyone to take. Um, it's all on you. And you're, you make your own reality. Yes. So, Personal responsibility. Yeah, personal responsibility is kind of gone out the window in the last yes uh, maybe decade probably less time than that but uh it's really just like oh it's not your problem oh yeah it, it is does. your problem yeah your problem. Your if problem. you yeah good, good luck trying to solve it if, it, if it's not your problem your problem and, yeah and what you know, what you're gonna do so yes yeah so if uh, people would like to get to that point where they can solve their problems, how are they going to get a hold of you to be able to do that? They can find me on my website, juliemaria.com, J-I-L-L-I-E-M-A-R-I-A.com. They can also email me, juliemaria at juliemaria.com. Um, that's the best place to find me. And uh, I look forward to meeting some new people. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It has been fantastic. Great. Very welcome. I, I was also trying to figure out one last thing. So the accent, I, I'm trying, I, I'm picking up somewhere uh, Philadelphia-ish, but then also kind of like, a, maybe like a Detroit kind of thing. And I'm, so, I'm wondering how accurate that is. I am, uh, I grew up between the Midwest and New England. Um, I consider myself a Boston girl and I've been in the South since two, no, I've been in the South since 1999. I've been in North Carolina since 2003. So there's kind of an amalgamation. Okay. Um, when I'm around my New England friends, my Boston friends, I have a very, I tend to have a very thick Boston accent. Um, Wicked. But it's just, yes. And it just depends upon <laughs> where I am and who I'm around. And when I'm around the really Southern people, I, you know, I tend to live around that it tends to be more people go, you have an accent that I can't quite play. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, so that, that makes sense. And I'm, I can, I can see that more of that then. But yeah, so thank you again so much for being on. Uh, I'm really happy we got to 
to talk and get to where we got to. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you. Same. You bet. All right. Okay, that's Jilly Maria. So you guys check her out and uh, check this show out. Check, there's a lot of this show. There's a lot of other shows on the QGBN, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Bed. And thank you to our sponsors, Fred Ben Savage as fuck, Stone Reads Productions, Hypnosis is Great, Hardcore Entertainment, and SockEmUp.org. You guys, Thank you so much for being on. Leave a message, 503-974-6420. That's my personal phone number. You can get it. It goes right to my phone. So leave a message there or leave a message somewhere on the page, and I'll play it on there. You can leave a message or you don't have to leave a message, and you can uh, be like, Messages? Messages? We don't leave no stinking messages. Yep, you don't need no stinking messages, but I do. So, you guys, thank you. And that is the show, man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>